0: This is The Week in Addiction Medicine, a podcast resource of timely news and top stories brought to you by the American Society of Addiction Medicine, ASAM. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, and I'm Claire Rasmussen. Our lead story this week, buprenorphine dispensing among youth aged below 19 years in the United States, is in pediatrics. Opioid-related overdose among adolescents and young adults in the United States is rising. Medications for opioid use disorder, including buprenorphine, can reduce the risk of overdose. However, these medications are underutilized. Given rates of opioid use disorder among youth, these findings suggest that many youth who could benefit from these medications are not receiving them. Pediatrics could play a role in expanding access to medications for opioid use disorder for this high-risk population. Efforts to expand access to these medications for adolescents could include improving training in opioid use disorder treatment of pediatricians and encouraging all clinicians who care for adolescents and young adults to obtain waivers to prescribe buprenorphine. Next is an article in Drug and Alcohol Dependence titled, The Cost of Opioid Use Disorder-Related Conditions in Medicare. Approximately 1 million Medicare beneficiaries have opioid use disorder, but Medicare does not cover all substance use disorder treatments, and in 2020, only 16% received medications for opioid use disorder. In this study, the authors examined the potential cost savings of expanding Medicare coverage for opioid use disorder. The authors conducted attributable cost analysis for comorbid conditions associated with opioid use disorder an estimated $1.8 billion for those beneficiaries, below 65 and $2.9 billion for those 65 and older. The potential cost offsets for expanding opioid use disorder treatment were $3 to $4.7 billion, depending on assumptions about elimination of comorbid conditions with treatment. This analysis does assume that if coverage was expanded, all members would have access to treatment, but the cost savings would be less, depending on percent who received care. A new article in Drug and Alcohol Dependence is called Concordance Between Controlled Substance Receipt and Postmortem Toxicology in Opioid-Detected Overdose Deaths. This study identified over 1,400 deaths in Connecticut from 2016 to 2016 where an opioid was detected. The authors consulted the prescription monitoring database to see if an opioid and or a benzodiazepine had been prescribed in the 90 days before death. The study found that of these deaths, 47% received a prescription for an opioid and or benzodiazepine. However, only 17% of the prescribed opioids and 21% of the prescribed benzodiazepines appeared on postmortem toxicology. The authors conclude that a prescribed opioid and or benzodiazepine may have contributed to a substantial number, though an overall minority, of opioid deaths, highlighting the importance of safe opioid and benzodiazepine prescribing. Next, we have a study in JAMA Pediatrics titled, Initiation of and Escalation to High-Intensity Drinking in Young Adults. Survey data from participants who reported alcohol use within the past 30 days were analyzed using two young adult studies. Measures included year drinking began, first binge, and high-intensity drinking. Later, at age 20, measures included weekly alcohol consumption, high-intensity drinking frequency, and audit scores. Family history was associated with earlier high-intensity drinking initiation, and earlier scores were associated with higher alcohol consumption, more frequent high-intensity drinking, and symptoms of alcohol use disorder at age 20. These factors may assist with appropriate screening for adolescents and young adults. A new study in International Journal of Health Equity is titled Five ways health scholars are complicit in upholding health inequalities, and how to stop. The commentary identifies five mental models that perpetuate the status quo and contribute to the inequalities in research institutions. First, euphemisms are indirect words or expressions that allow for understating root causes of inequity and perpetuating those systems. Second, middle ground refers to the tendency to avoid conflict and remain neutral or hearing all sides which limits progress. Third, distraction is continuously moving the goalpost with demands for additional data, committees, etc., without making any real change. Fourthly, mystery is the idea of when an issue is identified, not being able to locate the problem, such as it is too complex, and thus not addressing the problem. And fifthly, capacity is the narrative that equity is beyond our capabilities and forgetting our skills when it comes to addressing racism. Interrupting these models could open us to better engage in actions leading to real and sustained changes. The next study is in Harm Reduction Journal titled North Carolina Pharmacists' Willingness to Sell Fentanyl Test Strips. An email invitation was sent to over 4,000 community pharmacists in North Carolina, inviting them to complete a survey about providing fentanyl test strips. The survey found that most pharmacists were willing to refer patients to harm reduction organizations sell fentanyl test strips, and advertise fentanyl test strips for sale. However, only 36% felt comfortable initiating a conversation about fentanyl test strips. Perceived barriers included not knowing where to order the strips, lack of time to educate, and not wanting to attract individuals with substance use disorder to the pharmacy. Our next study, titled Prevalence of Alcohol in Unintentional Opioid Overdose Deaths, Is in JAMA Network Open. This study investigated the prevalence of alcohol in opioid overdose deaths from July 2017 to December 2020 in Illinois. Over 30% of unintentional opioid overdose deaths involved alcohol. The prevalence of alcohol use in these deaths was higher for men than women, for non-Hispanic Black and Hispanic decedents than white decedents, and for decedents aged 55 years or older compared to decedents younger than 55 years. These results suggest that alcohol may be viewed differently from illicit substances by individuals who use opioids. Our final article is in the Journal of Addiction Medicine titled Inpatient Low Dose Transitions from Full Agonist Opioids, including Methadone, onto Long Acting Depot Buprenorphine. The inpatient setting is a unique and underutilized environment to concomitantly treat infections related to injection drug use to start medications for opioid use disorder. The COMET trial, or the Coordinated Medical Treatment of Opioid Use Disorder and Infectious Disease Trial, tests this model of care, where opioid use disorder and its related infections are managed by infection disease specialists and hospitalists using long-acting buprenorphine. In the present study, a case series of participants from this trial underwent transition from full agonist opioids, including methadone, to long-acting buprenorphine via low-dose transition. Low-dose transition onto long-acting buprenorphine for patients with serious comorbidities were found to be safe and well-tolerated, and accelerated treatment. This concludes today's episode of This Week in Addiction Medicine. Remember to subscribe to the ASAM Weekly for more exclusive content and our editor's commentary, delivered every Tuesday. Be sure to check us out on social media at asam.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.